It is Tom Panos and John McGrath, Million Dollar Agent, the podcast and the live stream coming to you on a Wednesday afternoon in the world. And uh, let's confirm where we are around the grounds. New Zealand is officially in a lockdown. Darwin's in a lockdown. Melbourne's in a lockdown. Sydney's in a lockdown. Um, Canberra's in a lockdown. So we've got a lot of people locked down. But, John, it appears the buyers aren't locked down. It appears the buyers aren't locked down. They're keen as mustard. What's your, what are the McGrath agents saying at the moment? Oh, just you know, business as usual, Tommy, with a COVID safety um, filter over everything. But the buyers are there in droves and they all want to buy and they, they don't care whether the auction is virtual. They're still lining up. They're bidding. They're bidding strongly. And I think pretty much, I mean, as you know, we're fortunate to have offices up and down the East Coast and it's pretty similar for everyone. Uh, I think you said Sydney's in lockdown, but I think the whole of New South Wales, is it still in oh, lockdown? New South Wales now, correct? Yeah. New South Wales, you know? Um, yeah. uh, but, you know, I said to our team the other day, Tommy, I said, look, without being any disrespectful to those that are doing it tough, you know, if this is as bad as it gets, we're, we're the lucky country, you know, we've got technology to boot, you can connect to whether it's Foxtel to each other, to clients, to Zoom like we're doing now. You know, this this is, I think you've got to be careful of the media hype. The media hype is kind of make every time you turn on the 6 o'clock news, which I avoid doing, but, you know, these, these emotive, negative words, like I saw the other night, it said Armageddon, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, this is, this is pretty, pretty horrific. So, you know, we, we know that sex sells and we know that bad news sells, so the media often goes out to make it really, really bad. So uh, as mindful, and, and you know, we've, we've had, I think, 1,000 deaths, which is 1,000 by, by far, 1,000 too many, but, um, you know, I think the UK might have had 150,000 deaths. You know, that, that's... <laughs> Far greater tragedy in terms of pure numbers. So um, yeah, just just um, use the time, as I said to our team, use the time to redesign yourself, uh, refresh yourself, call your clients. I've got all my agents calling their clients, and the number of times they're getting listings off it is phenomenal. Uh, Tim Cullen the other day listed nineteen properties uh, in the middle of lockdown. I was talking to Dave Cordius from our Geelong office, who is a co-principal with Jimmy Cross. He did twelve listings in the last two weeks during lockdown. And I said, Jimmy, what did you do? I did a, a webinar to our team. And he said, John, look, really, all you've got to do is believe it's the best time on the planet to sell, which I do, which he did. And he said, you've just got to ring your clients up, stay in touch, deal with their nervousness. And then as they say, oh, you know, I don't know, David, you just say, look, you know, I've done six auctions in the last two weeks. They've all sold on average 20% above reserve. And just you know, deal with the facts and talk to the people and... At the end of the day, you know, 12, 12 listings in two weeks, and they're all auction campaigns, by the way. They're not off-market stuff. They're people that are prepared to put money down and go to market and invest in advertising. So I just think you've got to move on. The best agents, Tom, as you know, because you coach a lot of them, the best agents are just moving on without distraction, confidently, calmly, with empathy, with empathy. This is not about being brutal and being a big, you know, snake oil salesman. But you've got to move forward. You know, you can't be sitting there waiting for this all to finish because we don't know. This could be kind of in some way similar to the market for the next six months. So, um, John, that is very, very, very well said. And this is not a plug for McGrath agents, but I can tell you the best performing agents around Australia and New Zealand now, John, totally understand that, hey, we've lost face-to-face in some areas, but you've gained phone and you've gained Zoom 
and you've gained time. I mean, John, there's a lot of people that you could not, as Murdoch used to say, never waste a crisis. And what's the opportunity in this crisis? The fact that you've got a captive audience of people that aren't in a CBD, aren't in an office sitting there in a meeting, you could never get onto them. And all of a sudden, you've got people that have got more time that you can access. And John, I've been asking a lot of the agents that I've been working with, what are you currently doing at the moment? And particularly the Melbourne ones who, who can't show a property, John. Like, let's be clear, if anyone's complaining in Sydney, if anyone's complaining in Sydney, let's be very clear, you're still showing properties, you're still doing listing presentations. Um, and John, I've taken some notes of what they've been telling me in the last three days they've been doing. I'm just going to get my notes. They're good. Okay. So, Johnny, this is what the clients have been telling me they're doing. They're working on their reviews on Google and realestate.com and Facebook because they've been working on their reviews. They've said, here's an opportunity to reach out to our old clients and ask them whether they would be open-minded to share a review on what their experience was. So they're really doubling down on reviews. The next thing that they're doing, Johnny, is they're doing a lot of Zoom webinars to the market, which I find very interesting. So what they do is they invite their whole database to a Zoom webinar and say, hey, we've got on this Zoom webinar, we've got an accountant, we've got a town planner, we've got a data specialist, and we're going to go over what's actually happened in the suburb of Paddington in the last three months. We're going to give you a rundown. We're going to dig deep, right? And what's really exciting, John, is they're getting a lot of take-up of people because people are at home, they're getting a Zoom link, and then what's interesting is to actually participate, you've got to enter your name and your, your email. So all of a sudden, you're finding out who's fit in your database, who's actually interested in what's going on. So they're doing a lot of that. The other one, John, that I love is that there are clients that are doing live stream videos with past clients that have just sold, and they're asking the client to talk about what their experience was as a vendor putting their home on the market, what was the most stressful thing, what was the easiest thing, and what are the advices they give to other vendors about to put their property on the market? And people love those case study videos, John, you know, because you're getting a backstage view of things. Yeah, I yeah, love that. The one that I especially love is those Zoom webinars. I mean, you imagine if you went out to every pipeline that your company or office has been talking to in the last two years about selling, and you put on, you know, here's the state of the market, here is some of the recent sales, and and you did that, cost nothing. Everyone's looking for something to do at the moment. Um, have to be more. I reckon the more I think about it, and I'd, and I'd hate to get your diary with 75 appointments, but I've got to tell you, you're the highest profile consumer person in real estate and have been for decades. I could just picture, you know, you know, a couple of McGrath agents doing a thing of, you know, the Brisbane area. And we've also got John McGrath here. We've also got our local town planner here, right? you'd get, you know, incredible cut through. And, and I've got to tell you, it costs zero. It costs zero, John. It's gold, Tom. And, you, you know, you're going to get listings because a lot of them are out there and they really want to sell, but they've assumed, because they haven't heard otherwise necessarily, this is not a great time. I mean, yeah, there are some headlines saying the market's good, but most people rationally would say, hang on, 
the country or the city's in lockdown. Um, you can't do on-site auctions. You can't do group inspections. It can't be a good time to sell, can it? So really, really interesting. I was, I was just going to mention Glenn Curran, one of our agents that you know on the North Shore. He had an auction that was going up tonight. It was due to go up tonight. Sold it for above $10 million this morning. Uh, sorry, last night. Um, he told me this morning. So sold 24 hours ahead of schedule and, and uh, above $10 million. So it just goes to show, you know, you've got people spending $10, $12, 15000000 million through an auction process, albeit sold before. Um, you've just got to get your head right. You have to get you have to get back into rhythm. If you're, if you're not, and most are, most of your listeners are anyway, um, get into rhythm, get into routine, get the energy cranking, get your head right, brush out any cobwebs, and you have to get back on the horse because I tell you, there are plenty of agents having their record months right now. So for all our listeners and all your gym members, unequivocally, you have to be moving forward as we speak. Don't wait for anything. John, I made the decision three days ago. Um, I was falling into this trap of queuing up at 11 o'clock to hear the New South Wales press conference, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I would listen to it and I wouldn't feel any better afterwards. I'd feel actually worse, so today's Wednesday, so I've gone three days in a row. Um, somewhere along the day, you find out how many cases there is, right? So, And the truth is, whether there's 400 or there's 600 or there's 200 or there's 50 or 800, what you do won't impact you that much. Like that, that information doesn't change the trajectory of your day if you don't know that information. And I found that knowing that information, knowing that information, would I get people calling me? Oh, do you see the numbers, Tommy? What's going to happen? Do you see the numbers? So, John, I've decided, I'm, you know, nothing against Gladys and, and the other two people and, you know, the copper, they're all doing the right job. The four of them give their own pitch there. Um, I, reckon, I reckon, you know, hit the phones, hit your reviews, hit the Zoom webinars, clean that fat database and take it from fat to fit. Do some live case study videos with past clients. Um, get those profile pages, some of those profile pages that agents have got using their school photos. Um, update those school photos, John, and look like you do today and get the uh, realestate.com profile pages cleaned up. I think it's also a great time, John, for our, for our listeners to actually create clear position descriptions for their EBU. You know, when people say work on the business, like a lot of the times you don't have a chance because all you're doing is listing and selling and running campaigns. Now, all of a sudden, you can sit there and work out, is this person doing the right roles? Do they need a new position description, right? Um, and the other thing is I got a phone call, John, from an old an old acquaintance, and i got to tell you, I really enjoyed the opening sentence of the phone call. Haven't spoke to him for seven years. He said, hey, Tom, it's Daryl here. Firstly, I want to apologise. I should have been in touch earlier. I thought to myself, what a great sentence to use to, you know, these people that you haven't spoke to, John, for ages and ages? What a great sentence. And then he went on to say is, I'm curious. How has 450 days of COVID-19 impacted your life, mate? And you get yeah. talking, right? Right? And um, I just think to myself, an agent could ring every person they've ever met before and they said, listen, sorry, I should have been in touch earlier. I'm just curious. How has COVID-19 impacted your real estate plans? Right? Yeah. Doesn't have too much commission breath there. Yeah, no, no, I think it's a great idea. A great idea. 
And I think you might have seen the other day, we got some great ideas from Steve Abbott and Jealous Craig about things they were doing with their team. And we sort of, we moulded a few for ourselves. And, you know, we did, Tringali did that cooking class for uh, for our staff, which was amazing. <laughs> but I've got to say to you, John, I've got to tell you, um, I think sometimes those things are actually better than a positive webinar because they get people involved. There's a bit of fun in it. It's different. And, um, you know, I, I ended up having a, I ended up having a, a, a plate of that uh, beautiful, uh, you know, spaghetti with prawns and and chili. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, Tringali. I know that you pick up the podcast sometimes on the video, or sometimes you listen to it on Million Dollar Agent. But I got to tell you, mate, you're wasting your time in real estate. You need to have your own, Michael. You need to have your own restaurant, mate. You need to have your own restaurant. <laughs> Not yet. He's selling too many properties for us. Not yet. When he retires. Um, now, I know you've, you've recently received it. Did you get it as a gift, the Seth Godden book, or did you go? Oh, and- yeah, it didn't come from Seth. It came from, it came from, a, it came from a client, John, this wonderful yeah. big book. And I've got to tell you, oops, I really do love it, right? But, yeah. John, I thought I'd read out because we both, we both adore Seth Godden, right? Yeah. Um, I want to read out, and I want to read out a couple of quotes that I've been reading, and one particularly that I thought to myself, that's me. You know, you know when it's a good quote when you feel that that page has been written by the author to you. You can really relate to it. It says this, John, modern procrastination. The lizard brain adores a deadline that slips, an item that doesn't ship, and most of all, busy work. They represent safety because if you don't challenge the status quo, you can't be made fun of, you can't fail, you can't be laughed at. And so the resistant looks for ways to appear busy while not actually doing anything really important. Laziness in a white-collar job has nothing to do with avoiding physical labour. Instead, it has to do with avoiding difficult and apparently risky emotional labour. John, when you hear that sentence, that paragraph, what does that say to you? I mean, first impression. Yeah, first thing came to mind for me, Tom, as you were saying it, reminded me again, and I've quoted him every day since since Eric, uh, Ryan Holiday, and he talks about nothing has any, any meaning other than that which you attach to it. And so why do people procrastinate, as Seth was alluding to? They procrastinate to avoid pain or inconvenience or discomfort, not necessarily physical, but perhaps emotional, fear of rejection and failure. So, again, it just comes back to it is, if you, if you are um, positioning a rejection that is, no, I'm going to list with someone else, uh, no, I don't want to use you, uh, or whatever is the, what your perception of rejection, if, if you've just got to reframe that, that that's actually a part of the path to get to success. And I remember Tom Hopkins years ago, we're talking about you know, 35, 40 years ago, when I heard him say that, you know, in those days it was like every time you get a listing it was $1,000, and you got to ring, ring 100 people to get a listing, so everyone is worth $10. So every time someone rejected you, you said, you know, he said mentally, thanks for the $10, thanks for the $10. And just that little kind of approach, and then, you know, it's sort of obviously a bit more sophisticated today when you hear people like Ryan Holiday speak about just don't attach inconvenience, pain, rejection, personal rejection to when someone says no. So, yeah, procrastination comes from people fearing rejection 90% of the time is my experience. So just reframe what rejection means and just understand. As I, all the people that I'm coaching, I just say if you can't get over that speed bump, you are never going to get to the success path because it's all a part of it. What's another one? 
Okay. Persistence isn't using the same tactics over and over. That's just annoying. Persistence is having the same goal over and over, right? Um, and I love that. I love that. You know, it's, you know, because John, there are, I mean, I'll never forget, you know, there was a guy, I, I can say his name, I'm sure he's not going to mind, Will Pereira. He's actually uh, got his own office now. He used to work at Rain and Horn when I first met him. And uh, he then went on to work at Breshik, right? He's a good agent. Does, I think he does, you know, 100 plus deals a year, right? Very good agent. I remember John at the time, and Will, please, I didn't get permission to say this, but I'm sure you're not going to get embarrassed. John, he was one of these guys that was obsessed with, oh, I've got to make the 100 calls. I've got to make the calls, calls, calls. But what would happen is he wasn't getting a lot of success rate. And the issue is that if you're doing the same thing over and over again, right, but it's actually the wrong thing to do, doing it 200 times doesn't mean you're going to get a better result. So he had a very cold, um, uh, uh, salesy-based line. And I can't remember word for word, but it essentially was just basically trying to say whether they want to sell their house, right? Um, and and I and I think that a lot of the times, just you know, grinding it out. When you hear people say, "Just grind it out, just just go harder, just go harder." Look, yeah, don't get me wrong, persistence is important. But if you persist doing something that's annoying to people, it's not necessarily going to change the result. And as you say, John, what got you here won't get you there. A lot of the times, you've got to look at the approach. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In fact, that that was one of the things I wrote down. What got you here and get you there is redesign yourself. And funny, we're here we are in the middle of COVID. What better time to do it? Redesign yourself. Work out what is. And and I use a metaphor. I think you've heard me use it, Tommy. Potholes. You know, imagine if you drove out your driveway in the morning, turned left, bang, hit a pothole. Next morning, did the same, and you did that for twenty seven years. Like you'd be stupid, right? You, you you've got to find. And yet. We all go out there, and most, most of us go out there on a daily basis, and we keep doing things that are not serving us any longer. So, yeah, redesign. It's funny. I, I remember a conversation very vividly with Michael Clark, who was with us years ago. He's now one of the top agents in Australia, uh, Clark Hummel at uh, Freshy, uh, Freshwater in, uh, in near Manly. And uh, his, his fan, I think his mother was, we used to sell encyclopedias door-to-door. Tough job, right, back in those days when encyclopedias were around. But, you know, you had to there, you had to door knock. No one really kind of wanted it. No one was waiting for encyclopedia salesmen to arrive. And so they were kind of trying to push you away. And then he did a bit of it. So so he became extremely good at dialogue, very good at dialogue. And one of the masters I've seen over the years, and I used to coach him once a month, he'd come, drive over to Edgecliff, we'd have a coffee and we'd talk through and every month he'd say, you know, what would you say here? And I said this last month, what do you think? And all this sort of And he was a master. And one day I just said, no, 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 Mike, I'm not going to critique your dialogue. It's as good as I've heard. Here's what I'm going to say. Shift your selling from here, your head, to here, your heart. So that was just like a shift from, and you know, it just reminded me of this because you're talking about Will Pereira's dialogue. And I just said, look, just be the person that gives a damn about the person on the other end yes you in the back of your mind you'll have a direction to take the conversation nothing wrong with that but be that person that really gives a damn and shows that you're interested in the human being not just the buyer or the seller in them and um anyway he, he rang me a few weeks later he said i can't believe the advice it's worked stunningly well and i've got all these listings and and anyway he's now one of the best agents in australia i think he does four or five million dollars in fees just extraordinary yeah. 
Yeah, John, I, I, I clearly remember him uh, saying that story, whether it was at Eric or at one of the real estate gyms, uh, where he talked about it. And I think he, he went on to say that, you know, soon if you, can, if you can stop looking at that person as a vendor and look at them as a human that happens to be a vendor, I think everything changes. Yeah. Oh, totally everything. That's what Julian Masters said, you know. If someone would just ring me after the open and not say, well, what did you think, yes or no, do you're interested in buying it, how many bedrooms do you want, how many bathrooms, just give me a, have a chat. How, how are you feeling about the process, Julie? What's working and what's not? What's the best home you've seen? Tell me more about what you loved about the place. Where are you moving from? Why are you moving? What, what, what's the most important thing for us to help you find in the next home? How do the kids feel about the move? How, how does your husband or your wife feel about the move? You know, are you guys excited? Are you anxious? Just talk to them like a human being as though you're having a coffee, not a sales agent looking for their next commission. Just totally, as Michael Clark has, has absolutely found, and total credit to him, um, you know, that's what changes the game. Now, John, the last one. Letting your customers set your standards is a dangerous game because the race to the bottom is pretty easy to win. Setting your own standards and living up to them is a better way to profit, not to mention a better way to make your day worth all the effort you put into it. I like that. I like that. What, when you hear that, that, that what, do you, what comes in your mind, John? Well, look, I've always believed, in, and one of my favourite slides is extreme standards, uh, what sets a lot of people apart. And I think it was Tony Robbins, an early seminar I went again 30-odd years ago to him, and he said uh, the fastest way to change your life is upgrade your standards or raise your standards. So yeah, I do think in, in a world out there that's got a lot of negativity, a lot of mediocrity, a lot of pressure on you, it's very easy to just conform to every request you're ever given. And we find agents doing 1% commissions and we find agents failing to do marketing, which is actually a disservice to their clients and, of course, to themselves and the results they could achieve. So I think, you know, what's the old saying? If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. You have to know, what do you stand for? You know, are you an option agent? What is your fee scale? Um, what is your approach? Do you believe in marketing? You know, what, what is your playbook? I think you have to have a really clear sense of direction on who you are, like a true north, and how you do business and a clear sales playbook. And you have to, Tommy, be prepared to walk away occasionally from someone that doesn't fit in it. Because if you try to accommodate everyone and everyone's request and everyone's desire for you to do it their way, you are going to end up in a really befuddled situation. So I think you've got to be prepared to walk away from, from business that doesn't fit your certainly your value system and your standards. It's, and it's, it, John, I was talking to an agent that told me his approach to handling vendors that ask for a commission discount when they're at a listing presentation is a very simple line that says the fee that's typed out on this agent agency agreement is the minimum fee that our company has as a rule that we take. And he yeah. says to me, you'll be surprised at how many people accept rules, right? They accept rules. They say, that's the, that's the rule. Sorry, we can't do this. As a rule, we don't do this, right? And when it's actually typed on an agency agreement and it looks, you know, official, your audio is matching your video, you're sort of saying, as you can see, so, so, so he goes out with the agreement already, the fee typed on the agreement, right, and says, this is the fee. And um, I, think, I think it's interesting, you know, because sometimes you think to yourself, yeah, but why that rule? But people do, people, do respect, people do respect rules generally in life, you know? Yeah, 
and it is about standards and you're right and you can and you can have a high standard and still have empathy you don't have to sort of punch someone in the nose and say no we never do it like you know because you want to make sure people don't feel uh, disrespected or disgruntled about it but just have high standards. Just say, Tom, you know, here's our, the way we do business. We find it works for our clients. We find it certainly delivers our clients the best results. That's what I'm all about. You know, I'd, lo- I'd love to sort of, you know, take on your business, but some of the things you ask for, I don't believe are going to deliver you the best result. So I'd rather say no to that. And if you can get it done elsewhere. So just have a, an empathetic, positive way of letting someone down. And a lot of times people will say, and I've done had this conversation thousands of times, they say, so, you're saying that, you know, we've really got to do that, we've got to do that. Well, if, if you want to get the best price, yes, and that's what I'm about. So I think standing for something really separates you from the pack. If you're the agent that every time they say, well, you do it for one and a half, okay, how about one and a quarter? Yeah, well, would you come down to 1%? You know, it, just keep it's a race to the bottom. It doesn't work. Now, Joni, before we finish off, I want to ask you, in the last two months, what's one exciting positive thing that's come out of this for you uh, in the new restricted ways that we've been working in Sydney, or let's call it, you know, lockdown, semi-lockdown. What's 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 one great thing that's come out of it for you? Well, look, I think certainly what we're doing here and now, I think that um, Zoom calls have replaced a lot of uh, face-to-face meetings, which which people assumed you had to have, and yet being face-to-face is nice, probably better than the phone. But I think the the uh, um, ability to get people to use uh, technology more so, just like we're doing now has become really, really positive. I think a lot of people have had a good look at their life and their lifestyle, um, whatever that means for different people, and I think they've made some better decisions. I mean, I'm sure some have made worse decisions as well, by the way, but so many people that I've spoken to and they've said, look, you know, I've got onto a better diet or I'm meditating every day or I've been watching YouTube videos on leadership and I've really picked up a better way to run my team. So I do think that um, use of technology and redesigning has been a big positive. What about you? Um, so, so John, the, on the first one, I actually since March last year, you know, as soon as as soon as this Zoom, I don't know, just the click of a click of a button. I mean, the fact that you can, you know, quickly put on a jacket, and you know what I mean. I just, I just, I just love and and adore. And I personally have a view that there is not much difference in the emotional contagion between face-to-face and Zoom. Now, I do believe, I've been listening, by the way, this would be useful for Nicola, because I've been following someone that's very big in events. They do about two, 300 events a year, and they've come to the conclusion what will happen with events is smaller, medium events that were happening regularly won't happen. But when you have a big event, people are going to rock to it because once or twice a year, they're going to want to have that emotional contagion with people right? So big ones will get bigger, but these smaller ones that were sort of just happening and people would sort of roll in slowly, etc. there's no need for those. People are going to be using a Zoom. But for me, John, one of the benefits, without a doubt, has been I've never been a great sleeper because I've all, I don't know what it was. I was flying a lot and I always would have this dream as I'm lying in bed that I would miss the flight, right? And that thought in my head would not give me a great sleep, right? And if I didn't have a great sleep, I generally was, you know, just didn't feel as good in the day. you get by. It wasn't like, yeah, but you just didn't have that zest that you'd have. So um, sleep, you know, and, and, I've, and I must have underestimated the importance of sleep in, in, um, 
in in my life prior to that. You know, too true. Too true. All right. Well, we got to keep focused on what we're grateful for and the good things that are working. So, thanks for another great uh, session, Tommy. All right, Johnny. Speak to you next week. Signing off, everyone. Yeah. Stay healthy. Stay well. We saw what happened in England. The games and stadiums have got eighty thousand. They're full. Um, uh, we're only a couple of months away. See you. See you, everyone. Bye.